Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Talking about. Hey, have y'all been enjoying this series, Doctrine? I hope you have. If not, we're still in it. We ain't finished yet. We've been talking the last two weeks about the church, about who we are in Christ, and the outworking of who we are and what we do in Christ. And we looked at Acts 2.42 and how we dedicate ourselves to these teachings, to the gathering together, to prayer, and to living out this life as broken bread and communion to the world. And so this week, we talked a little bit about the who, a little bit about the what. I want to talk about the why the why, y'all. And here it is, for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Now, when I say that, how, how, would, you, how would you kind of think, take a minute, just in your mind, think about the glory of God. What does that look like to you? No, no, like, literally, think about it. How do you define it? How do you imagine it? What is the glory of God? Maybe you start to think about just his presence in this place. You start to think about the holiness of God, the power of God, the supremacy of God, the wisdom of God, the, just the worthiness of God, the beauty of God. Just the other day, um, uh, I was at the gym. I know, like, every once in a while, it happens. It's rare, but, you know, it's like a four-leaf clover. I go there, and I'm at the gym, and there's these guys, if you've ever been to the gym, guys, it's just something. It's like something switches inside of them, and they just think that they're, like, Men, I guess. And part of being a man is you have to bench press more than the other guy. So, like, if he's bench pressing 175, man, I'm hitting 200 just because, like, we're at the gym. And so, you know, you got these guys, and they're looking, and, and, and you know, mm, I'm bench pressing 225. Yeah, all right, all right. And I just imagine, what if Jesus entered the gym? Right? Like, just Jesus comes rolling up, and like, yeah, you know, hey, bench press 225. I hold the whole world. <laughs> the whole world. Like, literally the other day, me and my wife were doing some yard work. We barely held a bucket, like a bucket of dirt. We we're like, oh, it's so heavy. The whole world, y'all. And then he spins it like a basketball. Like, psh. When you think about the glory of God, what do you think about? His strength, his wisdom, his power. It's hard to describe because it acts as an announcement to all of his attributes. So it's not that he's just holy, he's gloriously holy. It's not that he's worthy, he's gloriously worthy. He's gloriously uh, in, in all of his power, in all of his supreme, in all of his beauty. He's glorious in all that he is. He's glorious in all that he does. The glory of God. I like what one writer put. He said like this, the infinite beauty of everything the Bible says about God. The infinite beauty of everything the Bible says about God. So how does everything that the Bible says about God weigh in and affect our lives? Because, right, it's, it's all about us. Right? That's what we really want to know. It's, it's all about me. It's all about life. How it makes me a little bit happier. So how does that affect me, Pastor? Don't worry. We'll get there. But just hold on. That's the last question that you need to. But how does it affect? How does it affect my life? How does it affect my marriage? How does it affect the way I worship? How does it affect my dreams and my hopes and desires? I like how C.S. Lewis would pay it, the weight of this glory. The weight of glory. 
See, once we begin to recognize the weight of the glory of God and just who he is and, and his power and his wisdom and his beauty, we then take that message and that recognition and we spread it throughout the world for his fame and his renown and how it's known just not in this generation, but from every generation, every generation to come. The one who was and is and is to come. There was a glory that was. There's a glory that is. There's a glory that is to come. All of this coming together in the glory of God, and it is eternal, the eternal glory of God, and it affects everything. And here's the thing. We get to live into this. We get to live into this glory. I want to read from the book of Colossians this morning. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 25. Paul's writing this letter to the church. He said, God has given me this responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now... It has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. Come on, somebody. And this is the secret. Like you could just imagine Paul. Pause for dramatic effect. This is the secret. A little bit of background music. Everyone's leaning in closer. What is it, Paul? Tell us. us. Like centuries and generations, all of this coming together. You want to know what it is? Here it goes. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. And this gives us assurance of sharing his glory. What? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this weight of this glory of Christ living in us? So we tell others about Christ. We take what we know and we understand about Christ and his glory and we tell someone else about it. And two things in the telling, we warn everyone and teach everyone with all wisdom of God that he's given us. So there's a warning and there's a teaching. Like when you understand the holiness of God, you got to take what he's giving you, this revelation of who he is and his glory. All of a sudden, all you can help to do with it is to reveal it to someone else of just saying, look at what God is doing. And, and, and there's a warning. This is, a, this is an important message. Like, don't lose track of it. Because with all wisdom and all teaching, Paul's saying, I'm doing all of these things. And that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So all of this that I'm doing, all that I'm working, all I'm doing for these churches, and I mean, Paul's going through some stuff. And everything I'm doing this, listen, all by his power and his strength that's dwelling in me. Now, a little bit of context for this. I'm going to back up. It won't be on the screen. In verse 15, he says this. Now, Christ, he's the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So you got to understand the context in which Paul is writing this. He's now saying to a people, listen, now we have Jesus Christ, who is the visible image of an invisible God. But he's writing this to a church after his death, resurrection, and ascension. So there is no more visibility in the sense of Jesus isn't there in the flesh. Like that time is coming and gone. So if you're there and you're listening to Paul's message, you say, listen, we had Jesus Christ, this visible image of an invisible God, but now he's not visible anymore. We can't see Jesus in the flesh. 
what, what do I do with that, Paul? Well, how do I do it? And he's like, this was all a setup for the secret. Now he dwells in you. You get that? Now you are the visible image of an invisible God. Come on. And that's insanely scary because you know you. And you look in the mirror every morning and you say, well, I am the picture of what people are going to see when they're looking to the glory of God, to the God who holds the whole world in his hands. And yet they're looking at you. And this is the great secret. This is God's plan from the very beginning of the world. And so we take this, and the effect of it is we spread and we carry his fame and his renown. And like Paul, we work hard with all of our being to do this for the glory of God. Now, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. And he's dealing with some things inside of the church, and, and, and different issues are arising. He says, so whatever you eat or whatever you drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. In other words, you live this life out in whatever you do. There's these issues that are confronting the church, and there's different things like, well, should we be eating this type of food? Because we haven't eaten ribs in forever. And now all of a sudden, you're telling us we don't have to follow those rules from Leviticus? I could eat some shrimp, and I could eat some ribs? Like, this is very real, y'all. This is a very practical advice that Paul is telling these people because they've known two things. They've known, like, one, this is how you follow, like, God's been up there. And, like, so in order to please God, you follow all of these laws. And if I eat the ribs, I'm in trouble. Like, that's what they know. And now all of a sudden, that's changed from now Jesus comes in the flesh and is explaining, no, this is how you please God. And this is how you physically follow Jesus. Like, people would, like, where are you going, Jesus? I don't know, just you would follow him. Wherever he went, he walked around. And now all of a sudden, Jesus isn't in the flesh. They are not underneath this Levitical law. And so there's this tension of finding out this very question. Well, how do we live into this? How do we live into this glory? How, how, what does it mean to be, we would call the word Christian. They would call it the followers of the way. How do we follow Christ where he's not in the flesh and we don't have this law? The church is learning how to be followers of Jesus learning how to live into this freedom, and it plays out very practically. And Paul says, listen, you can say that, oh, what, now we're allowed to do anything we want? No. No. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And he says this, you've got to think about others, how your freedom can now affect them. Um, I spent a little bit of time in India and sometimes when people say, hey, I'm called to reach this people group or called this people group, like, I realize it's like everybody in India, a good portion of the population in India, there was a lot of Muslims, a lot of Hindus, forgive me, a lot of Hindus. And these guys, like, it's, it's just, it's all vegan. It's all vegetables all the time. And I'm like, who? I'm called to reach these people. I ain't going to get nothing to eat for a while. I learned to love some rice, y'all. I learned to love some vegetables. And curry is good. You can put that curry on anything. Tastes like chicken. Not really, but I remember actually there was this one time. So I, uh, I was, there was some missionaries I was with there, and um, they, were, they were talking about how the different things with the, the systems and the cows and the different cows were more holier than other cows. And so I was joking with this one guy. I was like, man, I want to eat some holy cow. And like they were laughing, like, because it wasn't going to happen. 
But apparently some cow had died. And it was like late night, and the guy's like, come on, come to this back room where nobody can see us. And he's got this bowl. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, holy cow. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't want it. I really, but let's go, let's eat it, come on. All things to all men that I might win some. So should I refrain? Yes. Why? Because your life is not your own. Because your life is not your own. And whatever you do, whether it be eating or drinking, do for the glory of God. I become all things to all men that I might win some. That I might win some. You ain't going to win all, but you might win some. And so we carry this glory, this great secret Christ in us. Now, I know what you're thinking, Lucas, but what about where Isaiah says, I will not share my glory with another. And yet, at the same time, Paul's sitting here and he's saying, yet Christ is in you. How does that work? The glory that in us is not for us. It's not, it, it's, it's not for you to make you all. No, no, it's to point people to Jesus. Christ dwelling in you is to point. It's not for our own glorification, but for his because my life is not my own. And how I handle the weight of glory is important. How I handle this, that's why I said we warn people. Like this is a very, this, is, this isn't something that we take lightly. There's a warning that comes with this. I want to read in the book of Acts just, just a small snippet of how important it is on how we handle this glory. In Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 21, there's this appointment with Herod was granted. And when the day arrived, Herod did this. He put on this royal robe, and he sat on his throne, and he made this speech. And the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, this is the voice of a God, not a man. And instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful. <laughs> There's a warning here. There's this glory. And the weight of it is important. And what does he do with it? He takes that and he sucks it all up for himself. He does not correct the people. He does not correct the people. No, 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 no. There's another God. I'm just a man. And, and, and look at what happens. There's a weight to this thing. There's a weight to this thing. He made himself an idol. Because I will not share my glory with another. There's different types of glory. The first one I want to talk to you about this morning is the self-glory. A glory that focuses, it's all about you. Where you have to shine above everything. I need 50,000 likes on my Facebook post. I want the spotlight. I want power. I want control. Here's the thing about self-glory. Self-glory always amplifies the gift over the gift giver. It always amplifies the gift over the gift giver. Now, this is where it gets really tricky. Because this glory that God has is then played out in these jars of clay to a world that can't tell the difference. No, this isn't the, 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 this is the voice of a God. This isn't the voice. The world can't, what's my point? They will see you long before they see Jesus. They can't, and it's our job to point them to Jesus. It's our job to say, no, 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 this thing that you think is in me, no, no, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, and let me just point you to him. It's played out very practically. They'll recognize the gift before the gift giver. 
It's our job to redirect their attention. And this is our calling as Christians to, to temple, to house, to tabernacle, that God would dwell in us and then we live our lives out in a manner to reflect his glory to a lost and dying world. To make sure that we're pointing others that Christ would be the center of their attention and their affection. It's entrusted glory and the manner in which we use it is critical. Are we glorifying the flesh? Are we glorifying self? Or are we using what God's given us to point people to Jesus? Where the attention goes is critical. Which leads us to this question. Are you glorifying the flesh? If you are not recognized, you can't be satisfied. If you have that type of attitude in you. If people don't recognize my hard work, if people don't recognize what I've done, if people don't recognize, and you just can't find any satisfaction, that's when you know it's all about the flesh. I, I, I just, I need people to see me. It's all about me. Now, I want to give an illustration. I'm going to use a political thing. Before I say this, this ain't about being a Republican or Democrat, y'all. I'm going to use a governmental illustration. Uh, so just calm, it, calm your nerves, all right? Don't nobody get mad at nobody. Abraham Lincoln says these words, that this would be a government, that this would be a constitution, that this would be a nation by the people for the people. Anybody remember that? That's right. The thing is, that's changed. It's not often by the people for the people. It's often by corporations or by ads or by how much money you have. And it's often not for the people. It's for political powers, for political gains, for just the politicians themselves. Now, I say that as a statement that's not just true of America, but true of all nations, whenever you have a corruption of the power that's been given to you. And whenever you have this corruption, this is what happens. Self-preservation is valued over your purpose. So self-preservation is now the valuing uh, strategy of what's supposed to have been a system by the people for the people. And anytime self-preservation becomes the gold, you have the degradation of society and structure and culture and you have corruption on every level. And historically, this is the pattern for every nation. Now, that same statement could be taken to be inside of the church, where the church was developed, as we've looked over the last two weeks, to be by God, for God. That we would be ones that would handle this weight of glory and the manner in which we handle it is by him and for him that he would get the glory. But what has happened in some ways is that shift from by God for God has turned by man for man inside of his church. And again, it becomes all about self-preservation, corruption, and ultimately the collapse. And to which the biblical answer for this is one word, repent. Repent. Will glorify no flesh by God, for God, to turn back to him, to be the church, the nation, the people group, the family, the husband, the wife. It's not just what we do, it's why we do it, because why we do it leads to this life and glorifying the Father. There's this quote that maybe some of you have heard. It applies. It says this, it's amazing what we could accomplish if we don't care who gets the credit. I would like to modify that one just a little bit. And I would modify that to this. It's amazing, it's amazing what we could accomplish if we focus on him getting the credit. On him getting the credit. 
because it's entrusted glory. Are we using our lives to point people to Jesus, or are we glorifying the flesh? The next one, imitation and counterfeit, counterfeit glory. It takes on many forms, and while it's hard to spot sometimes, it, there is the imitation glory out there. Now, there's a little prerequisite before I make this next statement. Don't go around trying to find it in other people. It's much easier to spot in your own soul. It's much easier to look to your own soul than to go around judging others. Why? Because Davids can look like Saul, and Saul can look like David. And you don't know the difference, and God's not telling you. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. You think you know, you have this limited perspective. All right? You have all the, I remember one time I came across some fake money, and it looked just like real money. It's like, man, this is a real 20. And the only way I knew it was fake is because there was some more 20s and the serial numbers all lined up. And I was like, oh, this is fake money. It looks just like the real thing. The only thing that I could tell that was different was these serial numbers were exactly the same. And I got to thinking, that's the thing about counterfeit. Counterfeit glory can only copy what's already been done. It can look real similar, but there's never an original. It always has to copy something else. This last week, I went to lunch with Jason Gore. And Jason's in the house somewhere. And we went to the Chinese buffet. And I got some food. And Jason got some food. And he's sitting there. And one of the things that he had was some, uh, some crab meat. And he looks at me. He's like, you think this is real crab meat? <laughs> I said, what you think, bro? He said, nah, it ain't real crab. And he's like, I ain't eating that. I ain't eating that. And you know how you know it's not real? Because each piece looks exactly the same. Each piece looks exactly, and I was like, no, 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 real crab meat, there's different textures, there's different colors, there's different variations, there's a different smell. It's original. Come on. Are you an original? Or are we just trying to live our life as a mere copy? Because you saw someone else doing this thing, so... I'll just do that thing all the while. No, 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 it's the glory of God in you. They say, like, if you would just be you, you make a much better you than you make a better fill in the blank. And the world meant to see Christ in you. Here's the point. Just because the band was playing and it was good doesn't mean that worship happened. It doesn't mean that worship happened. See, we could come into this place and, and, and it could look the same. Like, you kind of get the same thing. It's been 14 years. It's kind of like, there's going to be some worship. There's going to be some kids' ministry, some announcements. I'm going to talk. We're going to pray. It's kind of, it's the same thing, and yet it's different every time. Why is it different every time? Because you haven't worshiped him like you worshiped him today. You haven't worshiped him with our brothers and our sisters. I haven't worshiped Jesus with you right there, Garrett. And now in this moment when I sing, and I've sung this song a thousand times, but I haven't sang the song with you. I haven't sang the song today. I haven't sang the song at all for all of creation to join and say, holy, 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 he is worthy and he is glorious. And all that he is and all that he does. And there's this moment and when we recognize what God is doing and we just say, God, you are worthy in all of it. And I don't want to settle for some cheap counterfeit in this moment, in this stage of life, wherever you're at, have we settled for a counterfeit, for remnants of what was? 
Sometimes I think we try to build buildings and tabernacles, and God's like, I'm trying to do it in your heart. I'm not trying to just fill a building. I'm trying to fill your heart. And if I could fill your heart, listen, the outworking is I'll fill the building. Because when people see Christ in you, the hope of glory, it will draw them. There's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. There's something different about that marriage. I just need to see what it is. And as we point people to Jesus, I I don't even like you, but I want to get around you. Like, I don't know, like, you you annoy me, but there's something that you have that I just got to get around, like, gosh. Go home and just, oh. I sometimes people are like, I don't even like your church, but I just, here's some money. Like, (laughs) you're doing good work. Come on, somebody. So if the false self is spotted by seeking attention, how is false, uh, uh, or, um, Imitation glory spotted. Again, remember, better suited inside to look at your own soul, not to someone else. One of the things, one of many things, is false glory never Sabbaths. False glory is incapable of stopping and being. It has to always appear. It has to keep up the lie. It can look humble, but it has to keep moving and moving and moving because the lie has to keep moving forward. There's always one more thing to do, one more thing to get done, one more point to prove. One more way to prove, not to somebody else, but to prove to yourself that you are worthy. Sabbath is surrender. Sabbath says, God, you, can more, you could do more when I'm asleep than when I'm awake. God, you could do more with this broken bread than you can with this full loaf. Come on, somebody. God, you could do more with, with, with my six days than you could with my seventh days. God, you, you could do more with my 90% than my 100%. God, you could do more. Like Sabbath just surrenders and says, God, I put it all into your hands. And if the manna doesn't fall, we don't eat. See, imitation glory can't have that. Have we settled for this? See, glory, I think, knows how to rest. It's interesting in the Bible, oftentimes you hear this word glory and you hear this word rest and they're often together. And the glory of God rested on a people, it rested on a place, it rested on this thing. It just re- it gl- the glory knows how to rest, how to recognize, listen, I ain't got to solve all your problems. I ain't got to have all the answers. I just rest in the one who does. I just rest in the fact that, you know what, I'm not good enough, but he is. I just rest in the fact that, listen, I don't have to do this, I don't have to be that, but I just rest in who he is and what he's done. Come on, somebody. And here's where it gets important. My recognition of his glory doesn't amplify it or diminish it. So in other words, because I recognize his glory, and and it's like, God, I'm coming to it, and I recognize how glorious you are, it doesn't make him any more glorious. It just means that I've recognized it. And in the same way, if I don't recognize it and I completely ignore it, it doesn't make him any less holy. He is still completely glorious and completely holy in everything that he is. It's just a matter of fact, me entering in and living into this weight of glory that he has for us. It's important. One last one. Another aspect is the hidden glory. It's there, but it's not recognized. Proverbs 25.2 says this. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. This hidden glory, it's all around us, and we bypass it every day. You can be entertaining angels and not even know it. 
the very thing you're looking for. And here's the thing, it's to be sought out. It's to be sought out. Surely God was in this place and I didn't even know it. He was here the whole time. I'm just now coming into recognition. Surely was God was here and he was already, he was working in the backgrounds of my marriage even when I didn't see it. He was working in the backgrounds of this job and in this church and in this family, all of these things, and I didn't even know it. He was working when the prodigal son was still a thousand miles away, and I didn't even know it. But I'm still sitting on the porch waiting in anticipation. Come on, someone. It's to be sought out. Psalms 34.10 says this, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing, which is interesting because I'm reading this and I'm thinking the very nature of seeking means maybe you lack something. If, if I'm seeking something, that means I don't have it. I'm trying to find it. I'm, I, I'm looking for my keys. I'm looking for the sock that the dryer ate. I'm looking for a new house. I'm looking for a new job. I'm looking for this thing. And yet the scripture tells us those that seek the Lord lack no good thing. And you're seeking, you lack nothing. And yet we become into this awareness of what already is. And you realize my keys were in the pocket the whole time. And my glasses were right here on the head the whole time. And Jesus was right there, and you didn't even know it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that job is actually a blessing. I remember when I was young, some of you locals will remember pre-Walmart days. Brunswick County, this place sucked. (laughs) I know you're not supposed to say that word in church. But I'm going to be honest with you, it was like, I can't wait to get my license and turn 18 and get out of here. Then I did. And then the Holy Spirit just brings you back. No one leaves Brunswick County. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Like, you could try to leave. You'll be back. You'll be back. I know people, we've left four or five times. Oh, we can't wait. Oh, we moved to Florida. You'll be back. You'll be back. And now I absolutely love it here. We live in one of the greatest places in America. I didn't recognize it 20, 30 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, God, this place. Now you were here and I didn't even know it. Surely God was here. Thank you for working behind the scenes. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. the worship team to come back up. I just want to stand to your feet, please. So here we are. We wake each morning. We come and we worship and we live into this reality that as we seek God, we lack nothing and yet we still seek. And we find and we recognize and we have dinners with friends and we recognize, oh, I'm in the presence of angels and didn't even know it. And all of a sudden you see people and the glory of God is revealed and you take long walks on the beach with your spouse. And God shows up and you stare on your back porch at the stars for three hours and you recognize, God, you are glorious and you walk into a gym where people are saying, I bench 250, and you realize God holds the world in his hand. But it's not just those times. I'm here to tell you, he's glorious on your worst day. He's glorious when you're laying in the bed and it's stage four cancer, and the doctor says there's no hope. He's glorious 
when you've just experienced the biggest tragedy of your life and you've lost a spouse or you've lost a child. And all of a sudden there's a moment where the Holy Spirit comes and indwells your soul and because Christ lives in you, you could have a peace that passes all understanding. And you could stand on the bow of that boat and you could say, it is well with my soul. And the bank account can be completely empty. And you say, God, I know you're working underneath the, the, the thing, behind the thing, and you're going to work all things for my good. And you could have a son or a daughter that's been out there and been living for five years, 10 years, 20 years of prodigal. But I'm telling you, keep sitting on the front porch. Keep praying. Keep looking. Because we have a God who is gloriously holy and gloriously lovely and gloriously beauty. And he will draw that son, that daughter, that wife, that husband back to himself for his glory and his honor. And I'm here to tell you, like, what you do matters. And so whether you eat or whether you drink or whether you whatever it is, it matters. It's for the glory of God. And this is who we are. It's what we do, but it's why we do it. It's why we do it. And it's a choice, y'all. You got to choose. There's days. Where it's, it's, it's hard, but I choose to love in this situation. I choose, I choose my spouse in this moment. I choose when I have to go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. You can have that parking spot. It's a choice. It's a choice. Christ and you, do you want to know this secret? Do you want to know this secret? Christ dwells in you. The image of the invisible God is now made visible in you. And what you do matters. And the weight of glory comes with a weight, and it comes with a teaching, and it comes with an understanding. Your life matters. If there's breath in your lungs, there's purpose for you. And ultimately, that purpose is to point people to Jesus. He is the why behind all of it. Because by him, through him, and to him, all things consist. And we get to live into this. Let's pray. God, we just take this moment and we recognize that you're here. God, we take this moment and we just say, Lord, let, let no flesh be glorified in your presence. In no way do we do anything but say, God, you are worthy and you are holy and we cast our crowns down. Touch our lips, God. I'm a man with unclean lips and unclean hands and this unclean heart, God, and we need you. body, the church, made by you, for you, to you, we turn to you, God, and we give you all the glory. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. 
May they today be the day that you round that corner and you just surrender and you Sabbath and you rest in him, the God who is absolutely madly in love with you on your best day and on your worst day. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm asking you to just put your hand real high in the air. I want to pray a prayer with you. A prayer of just surrender to Jesus. Is there anyone in the room? Put it real high. I don't want to miss anybody. All right. I want to believe that everybody knows him. If you're in here and you just weren't ready to make that step, it's okay. Come back. Keep searching. Keep seeking. He will reveal himself. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.